Hey there, and welcome to Queer I Am, Lord, a brand new show where two or more gather together to, as I say, Kiki in God's name. I'm Jorge Olivares of HeyJorge.com, and I'm joined by a guest who, those of you who listen to my SiriusXM show would actually recognize this voice because as part of Black History Month, we did a Pass the Mic segment, and I passed the mic to somebody who's a part of the Vine and Fig community, Zinzi Nev Gein. And she had a conversation with other Black queer Catholics about what this moment all means. And one of those voices was Blake Johnson. And I'm glad that Blake and I are connected on social media because when I announced the launch of this podcast and that I was doing this project, Blake reached out and said, I'm here, I'd love to talk about uh, my experience. And I'm glad that he's willing to do it because as I mentioned to him before we got started, there aren't many openly gay or openly queer Black Catholics out there. And I think there's something about living in that intersection of race, of sexuality, of spirituality that could be very important for us to learn more about. Um, so I'm excited to welcome Blake to the program to talk about what this life has been like and what this journey has been like, because as we found out, he is a convert to Catholicism. Um, so Blake, thank you so much for joining me to have this really great conversation. Thank you for having me. So I love that we, when we first got started, we were talking about the fact that you live in Arkansas mm -hmm. and I don't know too much about Arkansas, but I'm wondering, is, is it easy being a black queer person in Arkansas? Are there others? Are you alone? Do we need to send for reinforcements? <laughs> how is, how is that life going? If you have reinforcements available, yes, send them because <laughs> <laughs> it's not, I mean, it's, well, it depends on where you are in Arkansas, which I'm sure is like that in other states. Because like, if I'm back in my hometown, there's nobody. But like here at school, and it's maybe because like it's a college town, you do find a little more. The black queer community is kind of non-existent. It's only like a couple. But I guess it's more visible, a little visible, like when I'm at school. That's probably because it's a college town. But I feel like in the South in general, unless you're in like Atlanta or maybe like Dallas or I feel like wherever you go in the South, it's not really that big. I was going to say, I mean, if I hadn't mentioned the fact that you're from Arkansas, I believe the drawl would have given it away, yeah. uh, <laughs> which I love. But like, I, I think there's something to be said about obviously where we grow up, what our environment in which we find ourselves, because that plays a huge role in the journey that we put ourselves on. Mm -hmm. um, so considering that it is your home, it is a place where you've been, um, how has that been like just being in Arkansas? Not even with the queerness aspect thrown into it, but has it been the, the right place for Blake to be? Um, okay, like growing up, I kind of, I never really... I was never necessarily proud of being from the South just because like, I don't know, I feel like I am was made to be like a city boy and I'm like really like working now just to get there. Like I graduated from here in May. I'm going to graduate school of all places. I'm going to Alabama, but that's just gonna be, <laughs> <laughs> that just kind of worked out that way, but that's just three years. But as soon as I graduate from there, I'm trying to go up nice. just because like there, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything about the way I grew up in the South and like how that influenced everything from like my personality to my spirituality. But like, I don't want to stay <laughs> any longer. 
that's fair. Like we all have dreams and aspirations and it's only yeah. right that we give, we allow ourselves to pursue them to the best of our abilities. Uh, so what are you pursuing in Alabama? What's the, what's the degree? I'm going to get uh, my MFA in acting. I'm going to the University of Alabama. It's MFA acting program. Nice, good for you. Thank I you. love the idea of talking to performers because I think there's something about being an artist, being a creative person where it might be a little bit easier to navigate queerness because for yeah. the most part, a lot of people <laughs> in these spaces are also queer. Yeah. Um, has that been the case for you where it's been a little bit easier to understand it because there aren't, it's not like it's hard to find other queer creatives. Mm -hmm. That's and that, yeah. And that's definitely, I think played a big part with like me feeling comfortable to like come out and stuff because I'm, I've only been coming out recently. And a big part of that I would say is because like most of my friends are from like the theater department and like, just seeing how they're like comfortable being themselves and how they were accepting of me being myself. It kind of like gave me courage to like, you know, stand boldly in who I am. And like, even like going to Alabama and that's something I was kind of worried about, but I like, that's something that gives me a little bit of solace to like, hopefully being in the bubble of the theater community, it won't be so bad mm -hmm. being queer in Alabama. <laughs> what is it about theater? Uh, performance that kind of brings you joy? Yeah, it's like, well, on base level, before I was layered any of the philosophical stuff coming to college, it was just like, I don't know, it's something like freeing about it. Like growing up, we always, me and my cousins used to always just like be writing plays and stuff. And my best friend growing up, we would write plays and put them on for his parents to like, me and my cousins, we were all like church kids. So we would like <laughs> play church. But um, when you look at it though, that was like theater. We were kind of like performing what we saw in church. And like, I don't know, we just always, I just grew up putting on shows for people and stuff like that. Now that I'm like, have studied it, I also like how it can have like a political influence and like how we can kind of act like a mirror to culture and like how it can kind of like, call people to action and I like the communal aspect of it how it's like a shared experience with like the performers and the audience kind of like experiencing something together I mm -hmm. love it yeah I mean if you think about it church is the biggest stage of all because you're interacting Absolutely. with all these folks if there's a choir if there's any sort of musical element the yeah. drama of that is obviously incorporated um, and I love that you said that y'all would play church when you were younger. Yeah. Um, and I did mention that you are a convert to Catholicism. So what church did you grow up in and kind of what did that experience all look like? Yeah, so I grew up Pentecostal, Black Pentecostals, because I think that's an important distinction. <laughs> and um, it was like, your, well, I don't know if I want to say typical, but like, I feel like it's like, it's what people think of when they think of like African-American churches with the gospel music and clapping hands and shouting and the exuberant services. And I <laughs> loved it. I loved everything about it. I still, it still plays a big part in my spirituality today, even after I converted. And do you want me to talk about that? Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. So like I grew up in the costal and I loved it and everything about it, but there was always at the same time, I've always been kind of, I've always been very curious about things. And 
I feel like the Pentecostal church would only let you be curious to a certain extent. Like, for mm. example, I would want to know about the origins of things. And now I started getting into like history and stuff. I was like, okay, so like, when did the Pentecostal church start? And like, I saw, it, oh, it only started in like 1901. It's like, okay, what about people before then? Were they not Pentecostal? <laughs> and I grew up in the Pentecostal church where they were like, we are it, you know, if they're not in this crowd, they, if it's not this God, there is no other God. Yes. And like, so, but I was like, okay, but like, there's generations of people before us. You mean to tell me they're all wrong? And like, what about the Bible? Where did that come from? Like, God, did God like stick his finger down and write the Bible? Some of them I was, I'm sure genuinely believed that, but like, they wouldn't let you ask those kind of questions. You would be discouraged from asking those kind of questions. So like, I've always kind of flirted because like I went to LML at like first and second grade, like a Lutheran school. And so I was kind of exposed to like liturgical style worship. So I was always kind of interested in that and flirted with that just throughout my life. And when I came to college my freshman year for the first time, I kind of had was separated from like my family and everything. And I was kind of able to like break down everything I believed for myself. And I was like, do I actually think this? And like, I started digging into the Catholic church and just like the history and the worship style and um, the liturgy and the traditions. And I was like, I really like this. And I, was, <laughs> and I like texted and now, okay. But there were, I had the usual hangups for Protestants. I was like, okay, I like this, but you're not going to give me to pray to Mary. And you can't, not going to give me to believe in purgatory. But then I started doing research and I found these RCIA videos on YouTube. And I was just like, like hour long videos, like seven. And I just like went through all of them. <laughs> you binged watched RCIA videos. Okay. I, yes. I was very curious. And he like busted all of the like misconceptions I had. And so I was like, wow. Then it, the final blow I watched you know the EWTN show the journey home <laughs> I watched the journey home it was this Pentecostal guy who converted to Catholicism and I was just like there's nothing else and I like I really am interested in doing this so I like texted my mom and I was like would you be mad if I like became Catholic and she was like no it's your choice and the rest is history well look at that look at mom being supportive in that way yeah <laughs> I kind of love that because I think when you when you grow up in these religions and Catholic is very much a part of this too, mm -hmm. um, like parents and older generations are so all about the religion that even the idea of, of like straying away just for a little bit is like the biggest sin you could ever commit. Yep. So I love the fact that your mom was just like, sure, do it, yeah. do what you're going to do, see what works for you. Right. And, like that's obviously the kind of encouragement that anybody would want at a particular time where they're seeking help and guidance. Yeah, it was definitely, now some of the older members did kind of, they were a little hesitant. Like my grandmother, for example, she, she, nobody was like, like mean about it or anything, but she was a little hesitant. Like what Catholic, why do you want to do that? <laughs> like I remember one time, cause I joined before I was like driving and I was like, Hey grandma, you want to give me a ride to mass? She thought I was joking and I didn't want to like push it because it was new. And like, 
I sat there like, are you going to take me to mass until it was like, I was going to be late. And she was like, Oh, you were serious. And I was like, yeah. So like she, they, to some of the older members of my family, it was kind of like a, they were kind of hesitant to accept it, but I just kind of kept on doing me going and they kind of got over it. <laughs> well, kind of to that idea about having somebody take you to mass, like the understanding is everybody else in your family is still part of the Pentecostal church. Yep. So you were going to mass by yourself and were happy about that? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of made, I don't know. It did get a little lonely sometimes. Like on Sundays, my mom and dad and my sister would go to their church. And then I would go to my church. I would get home earlier than them. And I would just kind of be like by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then they come later like, oh, hey, how was church? You know? It did get a little weird, especially because I grew up, we all go into church together and it kind of mm-hmm. changed with us going separate. But it kind of made where like, it was kind of, I had like this spiritual independence. It's like, this is mine. I believe this not because, and it was important for me too, because like, I believe this not because anyone told me I had to, but because I actually do. And it was kind of like mine. There's a beautiful part about that, like the, the choices and the elections we make in order to pursue what we think is right for us. Mm-hmm. So choosing Catholicism, choosing to be a part of a church that fits your needs, even if it doesn't fit the greater needs of the Johnson family. Right. Um, before we talk about like at this particular moment, like us having this conversation in 2021, mm-hmm. like when you first decided to make the choice and you were first going to mass, like what are some of the things that you loved about Catholic mass? that you just were not getting at your previous services? Yeah, one thing is the, like how liturgy is set up, just like how like communal it is. Like in the Pentecostal church, if you weren't, I love the exuberance of the Pentecostal church, but I will say if you aren't just an expressive person, you can feel kind of left out. And I always kind of felt like I was kind of, on the outside looking in. I felt like I belonged, but in some churches, Pentecostal churches, they'll make you feel like you're not doing something right if you're not up with it, if you're not caught up in the exuberance of everything. And I'm kind of a chill person. So (laughs) if I I feel touched by something, I'm not gonna jump up and like, yeah, because that's just not my personality. But they'll kind of make you feel like if you're not doing that, you're not oh you're not real then you know <laughs> yeah so like the pen, the catholic liturgy i liked how everybody like it was kind of there you know liturgy is kind of like prescribed you know mm-hmm. and we all say the same thing together so it's kind of comfortable because you don't feel like you're kind of like on the spot or anything because everybody's saying it together you kind of feel covered in a way everybody's voices is together you know okay i like i see that yeah I I will own up to my own problems here when I say this. Like I I feel like one of the the most interesting things, and obviously one of the biggest differences, is the concept of black worship, mm-hmm. and like the choir at a Catholic church in no way resembles what I can imagine it's like to be a part of a choir at a black service. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you miss? Is that something that kind of kind of goes to this whole idea of how culture is sometimes tied to our spiritual and religious affiliation. Absolutely. Like, talk a bit about that, about how that's not 
always present in these yeah. Catholic masses that we have. Yeah, I definitely do miss it a little bit. But like, um, it helps because I do like ca- like traditional Catholic Catholic worship. I like the chamber choirs and the old traditional stuff. But at the same time, I grew up with like gospel and the clan clapping and the praise breaks and all of that. And like, so that is something deep in me that that touches. Like, I don't know, that takes me like back. So I do kind of miss that. And like, actually, that was one of my concerns joining the Catholic church. One of my families too, they were like, there's no black Catholics, like, especially in the South. They're like, you're going to be the only black guy there and stuff. And like the music, my grandma straight up said, you're going to leave all this good music to go over there. (laughs) Oh, grandma. That's such a a wonderful thing for a grandmother to say though. Yeah. But like, it was kind of a concern I had to, I was like, wow. Because for a minute, I kind of thought I couldn't listen to gospel music anymore because, you know, a lot of it is made by Protestant churches so I was like mm-hmm. well, I have to give this up but then I went on this retreat with our campus the Catholic campus ministry and at the same time we were at our little retreat center the Arkansas Black Catholic Council was there and I saw Black Catholics for the first time and that was like a big <laughs> deal to me I was like what Black Catholics I think it's so funny because like the the notion of like seeing yourself represented. And it's not even like right now yeah. in the context of queerness, it's in the mm-hmm. context of just religion and like, oh my God, there's another black Catholic. Hey, like, yes. oh my God, I see you. Yes. And, but then I can imagine, cause we just kind of talked about at the beginning, adding the additional layer of like, okay, but which one of y'all is also queer? Because then I'll feel <laughs> doubly seen. Um, but before we get to that, I want to talk about, because this is my own ignorance, and I'm hoping mm-hmm. if you can kind of enlighten me a bit. Mm-hmm. What were some of your understandings about religion's take on sexuality based off of how you grew up in the church? Yeah. Like, was it open to the idea of you possibly being, quote unquote, different? Um, and like, how has that shifted now that you're a part of another church? Mm-hmm. Well, the Pentecostal church where I grew up, it's... Kind of like, no, I would say it's different from the Catholic Church's take on sexuality and different. I would say it's a little bit harsher because at least where I grew up, there are some Pentecostals who believe people, queer people are like possessed. Like they think it's like demons and stuff oh to be gosh. queer. And they like legit, they think like before they take you to conversion therapy, they'll try to have like an exorcist or exorcism or something it's Damn. yeah yeah and I, some of that is rooted and like just being different i would say there is a strain in black churches of like it's kind of patriarchal which like uh henry lewis gates just did a documentary on the black church recently and he talked about that and i think it's interesting how he broke that down and like why that is but i definitely grew up seeing all of that and as i was converting to the catholic church at the time which like I was going through RSA in 2016 and joined the church in 2017. At that time, I wasn't necessarily like accepting of myself yet. Like I hadn't even came out to myself yet. I wasn't like accepting of myself yet. So I knew the Catholic church, what they taught about sexuality, but I kind of like was like, okay, I kind of like in the back of my head, I was like, okay, you know, 
this <laughs> doesn't line up with you. But I was like, oh, whatever. I'll just do it anyway. And I'll just, you know, kind of like how I was in the Pentecostal church. I like, it was really complicated at that time. Just was like, yeah. But I love that you're, you went in feet first. You're like, I'm going to do it anyway. I don't yeah. care. This is kind of my desires. And if it aligns with my sexual desires, okay. If it doesn't, all right. Like, yeah. you, you got to do what's good for you at that moment. And what was good for you was joining the Catholic Church. Because even right now in us talking, and I hope that people can get a chance to even hear it through your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a chance to see it because we're having this conversation via Zoom. Mm-hmm. But you have such a joy to your voice. And like, even you talking about your experience, you just seem so happy about this decision. <laughs> and I'm assuming that's the case, right? That, that, you, that you don't have any regrets whatsoever about kind of making the choice to to hop over to this side yeah I don't know I don't have any regrets but I am in an interesting spot and I feel like this may be because I am in the south and generally Catholics here are, tend to be more conservative and you know you kind of feel left out and isolated sometimes in Catholic circles here and I'm in a place now because like I'm now there, like, I'm coming out and I'm accepting of myself and I'm kind of bold about it now. I'm not willing to, back then I was more willing to hide and suppress things about myself. Now I'm not willing to compromise as much. So I'm at a crossroads right now where I'm like, where does that leave me in relation to the church? And like, but at the same time, hearing like, well, first of all, communities like Vine and Fig and seeing that you're not the only one, there are people out there who are queer and Catholic and know that the two aren't contradictory to each other. Mm-hmm. Hearing And then hearing you talk about how like in like New York, you were like in LGBTQ ministries and stuff. I'm like, well, see that, that makes me not want to just drop it, you know? Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, like I was just on Twitter today, you know, they just passed the Equality Act. Yes. And the USCCV on their Twitter is like just two hours ago breaking down why it's like wrong and divisive. And one of the things they said was like very transphobic. And I'm just like, wow. Like, why do you have do. to be that way? There's no reason for y'all to be this way. Does it change anything? No. Right. Like, right. Why, why do you have to? blow things out of proportion for the exactly. sake of adhering to something that not many people still agree to. Mm-hmm. Ugh, yeah. That's frustrating. That is it so is. frustrating. But I love that you, you have talked about finding community. As I mentioned at the top of this conversation, um, there are other black queer Catholics who you've been in conversation with, who you've had mm-hmm. a chance to meet. What has that been like? Just finding your tribe and like understanding that there's somebody else. Granted, I'm sure some of them, might have also been converts. Some of them might have also grown up in the church. Mm-hmm. And so those experiences might be a little bit different, but to have, to be able to see each other on the same level because of the different, the, the same things that you have in common. I can imagine that that's such a wonderful way to, to go about this new territory. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice because like, like in the conversation with um, Zinzi, it was like, I don't know. It's like you don't feel as lonely anymore. Like even within the Vine and Fig community, there's not a lot of people of color, at least not visibly anyway, especially like black people. But it was nice. It's nice to know now that like they're there and, you know, you have somebody there who understands you and 
it's also nice to know when there's other people in the world like you because you don't feel crazy when you start to feel left out or like you see something that's like problematic and you're like, should I be offended by this? Or, <laughs> <laughs> well, you have somebody there to relate to you be like, oh yeah, so you thought the same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask because we did also talk about how you are pursuing your MFA when you go to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, are there things that you've seen on television, movies, um, that you thought were a little aligned with how you feel in your skin? Um, that you kind of found as helpful in terms of exploring what your sexuality or even your spirituality actually were? Yeah, not much. Well, okay, not in movies. I will say because there's not a lot of Black queer representation in media, but like in the theater, for example, though, there has been places where I've seen myself. Like there's a play by uh, Terrell Alvin McCraney called Choir Boy, and he's, it, well, okay, that's spirituality because he was like a church boy. He was queer, but he was like picked on for it because he wasn't like, he didn't fit in with the, all the other boys. He wasn't the traditional masculine type. And I kind of saw myself in that. In Moonlight, for example, I was, was going to say, because he's the guy, he's the guy who wrote Moonlight. Moonlight yeah, I was kind of hesitant to say Moonlight because I feel like, dang, that's like all we got, though. It seems like that's <laughs> all we got. <laughs> oh, but that's such a good movie. And it's such it a is. good way to introduce those of us who have never lived that experience mm-hmm. to see, granted, it is specific to this one particular character. But mm-hmm. it, is, it does open the window to interpretations that a lot of us haven't had a chance to see. Yes. And it's like so telling of just like the black queer experience and like growing up in the African-American community and what that's like with the, the already the uh, challenges that are already there just being black. It's like throw queer on top of that. And what does that look like? I think Moonlight. I was excited. I'm excited. Like I was excited to like like my some of my white queer friends to show that to them it's like this this is what it's like right here (laughs) this is it oh that's so cute yeah uh so like is your desire and i don't mean to put you on the spot because i think there's always been a conversation when it comes to entertainment and acting about like if you're somebody who identifies as queer and you're a performer if you only have a desire to do queer roles but then in doing that it helps with representation like what is your ultimate goal with pursuing yeah. acting and, and having this just education behind you? Yeah, I definitely am very interested in like telling stories of people who don't get celebrated as often. Like, because here at, at now in my undergraduate studies, I actually double major in theater and African-American studies. Yeah. And also writing a little bit. So I'm into playwriting and maybe eventually screenwriting. And like, just like black history in general, I think now I'm so obsessed with like learning about like black queer pioneers because you n- never heard about them before. I feel like if I would have knew these people existed years ago, I wouldn't have went through as much as the inner struggle that I did. Cause I don't know, it's just something about having historical figures to look up to people in the past I don't know, it's just something about that that kind of emboldens me a little bit because I kind of carry their strength with me when people try to uh, confront me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm very much interested in telling their stories and amplifying their voices and stuff like that. Nice. 
I can imagine, and tell me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. that part of what you've done either outside of school or even as part of the program you're a part of in school, like mm-hmm. you have to audition for things, right? Absolutely. Do you, are you somebody who prays before your audition? Yes, I do. It's <laughs> um, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's not, well, I don't know if that's typical or not because like people don't just say it, but I de- absolutely do. <laughs> like even before, there's like a Catholic patron saint for actors, his Saint Genesius, I think, if I, I think I'm saying his name right. Oh, interesting. Like, I didn't know this. Yeah, but some sometimes before performances, I'll just say like a little quick prayer to Saint Genesius and just like, before auditions, I pray, especially if it's something like I really want, I pray heavy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so adorable. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I love this conversation and I hope people get a chance so that way you can build to your community. So if there's anybody who's listening who wants to talk to another Black queer Catholic, if you feel so comfortable to share your social media so people can, can connect with yeah. you. Yeah, um, my Instagram is at b.blakejohnson. My Twitter is bjohnson1123. And Facebook's just Blake Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And just a reminder to everybody, you could always follow us at heyhorter.com or at H-E-Y-X-O-R-J-E. But Blake, this has been such a joy and I'm so glad that we could connect in this way. And I want to end, especially now that I know that you've made an effort to learn this, um, peace be with you. Dawson with you.